the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name is Farhan, also known as Gunner Since 96. And tonight we have a roller coaster of a podcast for you today. There are gonna be plenty of ups. I don't think there will be any downs. So what would you what kind of roller coaster would you call this? Just maybe maybe we're on a rocket going to the yeah. moon. Indeed. <laughs> James, welcome back. It's been a while. How are you doing? It's so good to be back in the studio with you in the virtual studio. Yeah. Um I'm doing great. You know, I've you've you've done you've you've uh, started this before. This is not your first time this season, but this is my first time coming back to, you know, the virtual studio and doing this again. So I'm excited. It's it's been a short break. Uh, but I'm excited to get back into it. And this is a very, very special podcast only Indeed. because we have our brand new co-host who will be joining us for the, uh, for, the, for the next season, for the foreseeable future, hopefully for the very, very long foreseeable future. It is, of course, AFC Monty. Monty, welcome aboard. How are you doing I'm this evening? Well, thank you. I'm very well. Thank you, Farron. Thank you for asking. I'm uh, happy, happy to be here. Um, can't wait to uh, see if I can offer some cool insights for people and uh, let them know what's going on. But uh, yeah, in terms of the roller coaster, I completely agree with you, mate. It's, oh, it's an up and down, isn't it, of Arsenal? It's never, there's nothing nothing easy with us. Nothing easy, but it's, I think that's it's also why we love the club. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Monty, I usually introduce our guests by giving a little bit of a like a um, uh, how would you call it a, 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 a blur blub 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 yeah yeah <laughs> um but today i thought you know what i'm gonna let you introduce yourself to everybody watch everybody listening not watching us watching us unless they can see us in their imagination but why don't you give us like a 30 second um introduction to who you are what you do and um what the listeners can expect from you Mm-hmm. Um, well, for me, I've, I, I think like I saw here, all been uh, an Arsenal born and bred. Um, with my grandma, my granddad used to actually live down the road in Highbury during World War Two, and that was his bomb shelter. So that's uh, kind of where the ties for for the club come with me. I wouldn't even be if it wasn't for the club. So mm. um, yeah, I'm always going to be a good until I die. Um, in terms of what I can offer, I mean, I'm very uh, analytical. Uh, I always go into to the in depth, look look beyond just the ball um, and I always find out when people are when, when people talk talk about football they, they always look about what's going on the ball but they don't look about what's going off it and that's where you get the big picture um, and also as well I can always uh, find out all, all the little um, nicks and tricks when it comes to finding the latest so I'll be able to keep you up to date with those as well so I'll just be here to, just to keep make sure we can uh, give, give everyone their, day, their daily prescription and their daily therapy to, uh, to get their daily uh, Arsenal fix Bang on the money. Exactly. Um, James, it's been a while since you've been yeah. here. Um, how have you been keeping? Tell us what uh, what you're what you're looking forward to, what you've kept your eye on, anything that you want to, um, I don't know, maybe get your therapy on. No, uh, well, I, I always tend to uh, have these sorts of breaks. It, it's happened two times now. Uh, obviously, we finished uh, uh, the Everton podcast, and that was kind of it for a few weeks. And then, quick to flash, you, uh, you text me saying, "I want, I want to start a podcast again." And uh, I was kind of in in in, a, in break mode and holiday mode still because after the season finishes, I like to just reflect and take a little bit of time out and just you know just just chill chill with the you know the family and stuff because when you're doing these podcasts and, and things like that, you you're kind of 
I, there's been there's been times where I've gone, you know, I can't do anything tonight. I'm recording a podcast because this is a, you know, this is a a good a, a great thing to do, and it's we take it we take it seriously, and you know, it's it's great to do that. So, um, you know, I like to spend some time with family and just just chill. But now we're back, and now I'm ready for the season. Uh, I think today when we when we announced that first signing, which we'll get into, obviously, I think that signaled to me that we're ready to go again. I think when Arsenal make a signing, the very first signing of the summer, that is it. That is the key for me. That is the time to get your head screwed back on, get get back into game mode and support this club again. So I'm very excited. Brilliant. And look, this is a very, like I said, a very special episode because um, all three of us are here for the first time. So expect some, you know, bumps and some collisions when we talk and stuff. Um, but I decided to make it a little bit more of a tricky collision course for ourselves um, by adding in another guest. And of course, if you were listening uh, to the, uh, the the episode last week, you will know that we're very, very lucky and um, very blessed to have Kaya come on the show today. Um, he's come out from his busy schedule. I think he's just finished work actually, and he's managed to uh, squeeze us in. So Kaya, welcome. Thank you very much for taking the time out to be here. How are you doing this evening? Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Um, I'm looking forward to being an obstacle uh, to, to you guys on your collision course. It sounds good. Um, never quite been described like that. That's a great intro. Uh, yeah, no, very, very delighted to be on. Thank you very much, guys, for having me on. And uh, I like the title of the, of the podcast, the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. I feel like covering Arsenal, I need, I need a bit of therapy. So I'm looking forward to having a nice therapeutic chat this evening. Oh, mate. Honestly, you are in for one hell of a ride. For those of you that don't know who Kaya is, um, where have you been living? Uh, Kaya is uh, the writer um, who covers Arsenal for Football London. And if you don't know what Football London is, then again, where have you been living? Um, Football London, of course, covers uh, all the main clubs in London. And Kaya, being um, an Arsenal fan, is covering Arsenal. So we're hoping... We're hoping to get a few exclusives tonight, Kaya. No pressure, no pressure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's going to be great to have a chat with you and to get your insight on what's going to be happening throughout this crazy transfer window, which has just opened. And actually, um, we record on uh, quite a historical day because Arsenal have made their first signing of the season. Is that right? It's the first signing of the, of the summer, right? They haven't yep. officially announced mm -hmm. any other signs. We first know there's stuff one, happening yeah. in the pipeline, but um, we know Marquinhos, the 19-year-old um, from Sao Paulo, is an Arsenal player. Kaya, can I get your reaction to that signing? Yeah, it's, it seems like a sort of a, one of the worst kept secrets in football, the Marquinhos transfer. It's been on, I think, most people's radars for quite a while now. Obviously, Arsenal had some late sort of hiccups in terms of, I'm sure you all saw the stories about Wolves thinking that they had pre-agreed a deal with the player. It's all a bit complicated because I think Sao Paulo had tried to sign uh, Marquinhos to a five-year deal, but FIFA rules stipulate that when you're 16, which is when they tried to sign this contract, you're only allowed to sign three years max, which basically meant that he was available for next to nothing this summer. That's why Arsenal are getting him for such a cheap fee, 3 million, which is uh, very good value, I think. Obviously, we won't have known that much about him before he came. He's not even played that many times for uh, Sao Paulo. He's mostly been as a sub, but he's played some important games, scored some important goals. And uh, I think he's already won the, uh, the equivalent to the South American Europa League. So it seems like a, a smart deal. I think it, the reports that I've seen and uh, uh, seem to be indicating 
game that he's going to be heading out on loan. I think there's still some sort of work permit things that need to be ironed out with him. I know that Arsenal aren't too worried about that, but they still need to to get that done. But I think he's going to be joining up for preseason. Eddie's described him as one for the future. Mm. So I think, yeah, another exciting player. Obviously, Arsenal have a decent track record recently with bringing in relative unknowns from Brazil. And I think we all know who I'm referring to there. So yeah. fingers crossed this guy can, can follow in those illustrious footsteps. Look, when we were first um, linked to this kid, Marquinhos, um, I remember a lot of videos circulating on social media. And I have to be honest, watching those videos, those one minute, one minute, 30 second clips, didn't really wow me as much as, um, you know, I've seen other youngsters who have been previously linked to. Monty, what do you think the plans are, the immediate plans are for this kid? 19 years of age. And look, he's, he's, he's walking into a dressing room that isn't, you know, as uh, experienced as he might have hoped. And, you know, I think the pressure will be on because there have been 19, 20 year olds who have been uh, quickly progressing up the ranks at the f- in, in, in the first team. So what do uh-huh. you think? I mean, Edu says the long term he he is he is kind of the one to look for the future um but if we know anything we know that the future can be now at arsenal um so what do you think that what do you think they've got um in the pipeline for this kid i think there's probably there's probably two angles to take on this deal as a whole uh, i mean you've got the long term prospect of the player potentially becoming a really good player uh, which is always there like gabriel martinelli who i believe was taken from the fourth division in brazil and just out of nowhere is well, he's Gabriel Martinelli. He's just fantastic. Um, but I think what it is is there's more to it on that deal, and it's something that Edu said as well, and the director said it's about improving the ties with the club, um, and it's about having that long term deal because everyone knows so much talent comes from Brazil these days, um, especially these sort of young kids. They've got lots of skill, lots of flair. They're very, they're very aggressive the way they play, um, which is a very sought after t- um, trait. So I think it was more of a uh, a sort of big no no risk high reward sort of um deal so i mean we haven't seen much of him like like as kai said and but there, there's there's the potential for it and there, there you can see like he, he's won already competitions where he is um he, he's been able to establish himself in the team uh in sort of in the second half um and, and it wasn't a player that they wanted to get rid of it was just because of those sort of uh those fifa rulings that they had to either sell the player for free or get something for it which is what arsenal did out of their own back they didn't need to they could have waited but um it was it was to improve those ties. And I think in the immediate short term, we might see um, he might come in with the squad uh, for a little bit uh, for this first team, have a, have a, just to see, to see the level. And then he might probably even drop down to under 23s and maybe, maybe grab a loan, uh, maybe get a loan. But I think, I think it's more for the, for the business side, uh, for the deal personally. Um, mm. But, but I, I do think that it was more of a low risk, high reward and great sort of, um, reputation that you can build with San Paulo because they they had they do have one of the best academies in Brazil. Yeah. So it's it's always good to still have that communication. Well, look, swaying away from Marquinhos, um, I like to see this transfer window uh, as an opportunity for Arsenal to add depth as well as quality. But so far, uh, you know, uh, looking at the window, there has been many, many links and not that meant not that much happening in the window uh, as of now. So um, the business that Arsenal have conducted is they've signed a, a 19 year old, but they've also, um, I guess, brought back another, um, how 
old is he? Is he 19 now, William Saliba? Um, 20, I believe now. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, there or thereabouts, right? Uh, no, I think <laughs> actually he's 21. He's just turned 21. So um, ah. yeah, he's, 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 I think he's primed and ready for first team football. Uh, James, he's been brought back to Arsenal and we, I was uh, yeah. I was, I was live mm. recording with um, Tom Canton last week when the news was released of his, you know, his interview, that exclusive interview um, and uh, the famous, uh, that famous statement that he's going to be staying at Arsenal. Um, yeah. it, it does almost feel like a new signing, doesn't it? Because we, we yet to see him in an Arsenal shirt. He is back. He will be featuring in an Arsenal shirt, it seems. And we, we saw reports earlier this week come out that apparently Arsenal are preparing a new contract for Saliba. What do you make of that? I think it's, it's it's a brilliant piece of business if we can get it done. I think uh, I, the one word I'd use for Saliba is finally. You know, we've, we've, uh, when he came in under Unai Emery, even, um, you know, it's been it's, it's been a long time coming. So it does, you know, it does feel like a new signing. It does feel uh, like there's a sense of, you know, like when we first signed him, everyone was like, oh, William Saliba, you know, and now he's come on leaps and bounds since he did sign. So it's very exciting times. And uh, contrary to what you may read right now with a certain uh former Arsenal player now trying to sway him and, and, and get him to stay in Marseille. I think uh, Arsenal will reject any repo- uh, any proposal for that and he will be an Arsenal player next season and hopefully we can, you know, reap the benefits of his, uh, what he's learnt in Marseille and, and how he became the player he is today because he has come on leaps and bounds and won the Young Player of the Year, I believe, in, in France. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, I think we're all definitely very excited to see you in an Arsenal shirt. But it, there's one thing about William Saliba, which is like we haven't seen it in any other player, any other young player that's come uh, through to you know the Arsenal first team. Uh, you know, he's yet to play a first, he's yet to play a single game for the club, yeah. but yet he's it's, surrounds himself <clears throat> with so much controversy. Um, Kaya, this new contract talks. How how valid is it? And you know if it is um, a valid piece of information news uh, like uh, what do you make of it I mean because the, the, the player I, I don't know if or, I don't know whether I um, put William Saliba in the bracket of you know uh, someone who is entirely in love with the club um, he's he's made a lot of you know what however he's been treated he's made a lot of it um, he had a number of different interviews whilst playing for Marseille. And I don't know whether many of those interviews were necessarily positive things that he had to say about the club. So is this a right time for the club to offer him a new contract? And if they do indeed offer him a new contract, what do you see happening? Yeah, I think if the club weren't trying to at least prepare some sort of extension for William Saliba they wouldn't really be doing their due diligence I think he's got two years left on his current deal so it just makes sense to start sort of talking about those contract negotiations I think Arsenal will want to try and tie Saliba down if possible and I think they'd be they'd be ready to do that just in terms of A protecting his value and B ideally having a, a really talented young player for the future for years to come the, the question mark over a Saliba contract extension really is from his end of the deal and I think that's fair enough. I think if I was him, I wouldn't be signing a contract with Arsenal right now just because if you look at 
the way that Arsenal back four formed so quickly last season with obviously Ben White's arrival, Gabriel is a, a guaranteed starter and Takahiro Tomiyasu, his first choice at right back, which is, you know, a position that Saliba has shown he can play if needs be. It's difficult to see how Saliba starts right now. Obviously, things can change across the season, but that all sort of remains to be seen. I think we're all really excited about Saliba and I think it does seem like he's excited to return. I know he's done a lot of interviews and a lot of that stuff's come out. I wonder whether some of that's been taken a bit out of context. I know that some of his comments have been taken a bit out of context by some sites. So I, I think he's keen to come back and impress. We'll see how he does in preseason. And it's, it's an exciting time because I think Saliba will be a fantastic addition to that Arsenal defence. And we talked about how strength and depth was an issue. Obviously, Ben White had his injury problems towards the end of the season. And this isn't me saying, by the way, that I think Arsenal should have kept Saliba. But had Saliba been around to, to come in and cover, then that would have been obviously fantastic. So if you go into this season where there's going to be even more games and arguably even more important games to deal with. Having a player like Saliba to come in, if there's an injury to Ben White, if there's an injury to Gabriel, if there's an injury to Tommy Asu even, I think that's a really good deal. And Arsenal will want a time down to a longer-term contract, no doubt about that. But the question marks really are from the player's side on that one, I think. Yeah, um, I have to be honest. Um, I think Arsenal are on the road to recovery when it comes to the way that they handle their business in the transfer window. Um, obviously, you know, we saw reports of Fiorentina offering, you know, a ridiculous fee for, ridiculously low fee for uh, Torreira and Arsenal not even um, considering it, not even responding to it. So this is the kind of uh, behaviour I like to see from a club because it shows that they're serious. Now, the next step would be to tie down the other superstars in the squad like um, Bakayo Saka, who coincidentally has also been linked with a move away to Man City and Liverpool. Now, look, I've, I, you know, I get it. It's, 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 it's you know, tr- it's the transfer market. It's time to go crazy with stupid reports. Um, I don't think there is a chance that he will move. But I think as his contract comes near down to the wire, um, these reports will intensify and, you know, God knows um, what 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 hap- what can happen from just a, a small little rumor. Um, but Monty, um, how do you see Arsenal offering Bakayo Saka a contract this summer, or um, somewhere down the line in January? And if so, um, what 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 what's the detrimental kind of I guess? Um, consequences of not offering him a contract now when he is ripe, ready for next season um, and say if Arsenal aren't doing so well and they get to the January window and his head is swayed a little bit, um, what do you think the next move should be from Edu and Arteta? Uh, Well, I I think they will be going with a contract this summer just because it goes in line with their plan, which they stated is when the player starts getting down to two years, they will have that decision. It's a case of, you're going or you're staying. Um, so it's got to two years now, so they will be sort of going back to it. And I remember there being sort of reports back in February um, about the potential that it was going to be about 120,000 uh, being offered. And I believe he's currently now getting only getting paid 30. Um, so it's a big increase from what he's got. Um, and, and I mean, it's not too high because you don't want to do it too high straight off the bat because then when he actually becomes gets to his prime when he's about 26 25 you're gonna to have to then pay him even even 
even more money, which is just going to get to silly numbers. Um, I do think they're going to offer him, but the only the only thing I can see maybe on the Kai Saka side is that obviously with us, we haven't played in the Champions League yet since he's been playing for us. Um, I do think that maybe potentially it could be somewhere in the contract that if if we're not able to get Champions League, he's allowed to go uh, for, or there could be a release clause in the contract after X years, or um, there may be some of those discussions might be going on. Um, but it, but in, in terms of is Saka going to stay next year? I mean, he put those qualms to bed uh, when he said himself that he's going to see us next season um, and he can't wait after winning the Player of the Year. Uh, which is well-deserved and it's something that I think he can appreciate and, well, all of us fans appreciate his talent and what he, what he actually brings to the club. But um, for, in terms of what the board are doing, I mean, they have been learning and you've just sort of seen that over the last few windows um, and that's just sort of prominent with the, the like you said, with the Lucas Torreira deal. They're just not even responding it to anymore because... Arsenal of old, we've we've bought players out of their contracts, we sold people off for free, we've let them run it down, and we've just become a joke club when it comes to selling. Um, so I do, I'm, I'm liking the approach now. I'm, I, the, the, like you said, it, it shows that they're serious, um, and I and I do think as well that Richard Garlic is going to be having those discussions with Bakayo, but it's going to be very tentative. It's going to be a case of what what do you want, what where role do you see yourself, what where do you want, and and Arteta also telling him where he sees the club and whether that matches with his goals. So it's going to be a, a discussion, but I I mean I I don't see how it can't be resolved. Um, but it is a case of if we don't do it this summer, then you're going to see those links like speed up. You're going to have those clubs like City, Liverpool, maybe even the clubs like Barcelona and Real Madrid. I mean, mm. Kaisak is a this is a fantastic player at such a young age, um, and it's only because he's towards the end of the season he only got burnt out because he played so many minutes um, I think if he had played less he'd still be top class um, so I, I, I think it's going to be a, a slow developing one um, but I, I do think that there will be a resolve um, I think it would be silly for the board not to do that um, just because you can't replace Saka it's 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 not like a it's not like we're losing say a, a good player that could replace like Granite Xhaka he's a good player for us but we could replace him but you can't replace Bakaya Saka just for his age, potential and the skill that he already brings and being our top scorer as well just shows you what he brings to the team. So I, th- I think I think there'll be, I think there's going to be a contract on the table where the mm. details and where we get to, it, it's all going to depend really on sort of where his goals are, what he wants mm. and uh, what will be able to offer him. Yeah, I mean, look, he's uh, one of our star men, star boys. Star, I don't know what, to, what do you call these guys there? Uh, young warriors, I guess. Mm. Um, it's going to be a tough, tough season, you know, in the Europa League, uh, in the Premier League, FA Cup, League Cup. Last time we were in the Europa League, we ended up finishing eighth. Um, I, I, I see this window as being an opportunity to add in depth. Um, swaying a little bit away from the quality side of things and just doubling up on numbers because, uh, you know, we know how easy it is for players to drop off like flies when it comes to playing in numerous uh, competitions. We're, we're, you know, we're seeing now the number of international friendlies as well. Um, The players are not going to have that much of a break to, I guess, blow off steam. They'll be back in preseason in about two and a half weeks. The World Cup in, in the middle of the season as well. It's going to be a very, very intense year for every player. It doesn't matter how old you are, how fit you are, how much momentum you've got going for you. It's going to be nonstop. So, and, you know, bearing that in mind, James, that we've got two and a half weeks left until preseason. Mm. Um, and 
you know, I've seen some reports that Arteta is a little bit frustrated with how slow Arsenal have been conducting themselves um, in this in 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 the window in the summer. I mean, look, the window's just open. It's been three days, but uh, we're not privy to what's happening in the background of the planning. But it seems like the planning is a little bit. It's dragging by its he- heels a little bit. How important is it that Arsenal get their business done early? And how how soon do you see Arsenal actually bringing in these marquee signings? You know, I, I've said that's been, you know, we've, we've improved so much as a club, uh, as you were just saying, with our contract intentions and everything else. But I think that is one thing that Arsenal still lack is, is quick, being quick in the transfer market. You see the likes of Man City, you know, I know we're not we're not quite at Man City's, Man City's level, but they've already bought him their top striker in Haaland. I, I would have expected, I would have liked Jesus to even or any striker to even be in the club right now because currently we we don't uh, have much depth in that position. Um, but yeah, we need to hurry up in in terms of our signings and our, especially our marquee ones because you know the the season is fast approaching it's crazy because it only feels like last week that we finished the season and we were wrapping up the Everton podcast and then saying goodbye for a few months but it's come around really quickly and um, yeah we need to be on it this season because as I said uh, at the beginning of the Everton one if we don't uh, do well this season I can't see it ending well for the manager or even you know Arsenal as a whole so we better get our business sorted early because um it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a tough season, as you said, with the World Cup and all the competitions and everything else. So, yeah. Mm. Kaya, two players that we have who we've been continuously linked with are um, Tielemans and Jesus, and it seems like it's an it's inevitable that they will be Arsenal players in the very near future. Um, but I want to I want to um, direct you to Tom Colomossi, um, who's a reporter for the for the Daily Mail, who reported earlier this week that Tielemans' preference was to join a club involved in the Champions League, but none have come forward. So um, I guess he's kind of settled, or he may settle for Arsenal. Arsenal are confident that they can sign him. Um, I want to I want to draw on the psychological side of signing a player because. Arteta and Edu have spoken about, more so Arteta, he's spoken about and he's emphasised, re-emphasised on how important it is that they select, they recruit the right type of player, the player that that wants to play for Arsenal and who has the right mindset and the personality traits to be able to gel with the squad. Um, is is it a risk to sign a player who whose first preference is to sign for someone who, in the Champions League? Um, because I guess I guess I know all too well what can happen if you if you're just signing players based on you know the quality. You only look you only need to look at United to see what kind of a mess that can create. I sorry, sorry, Kai, I, I, I muted you there. Sorry. Oh no worries, no worries. Um, I think I, I think you could you could say there's there's scare stories from from all clubs. I think Arsenal have had their own scare stories of players who have, have viewed maybe Arsenal as being a, a step down. A, I guess I think of the Willian deal. That's the one that really springs to mind when I think of those kind of players. But mm. I don't know. I, I think in many ways, I'm, I'm I'm trying to put a positive spin on on those reports if they're, if they're true in terms of Tielemans wanting to play Champions League football. 
I'd be disappointed if there was a player coming to Arsenal who didn't want to play Champions mm. League football, if that makes sense. I think that's the calibre of, of uh, player Arsenal should be looking for. I think that's the market Arsenal are shopping in right now. So that's just the, the reality of the situation. And and, and if I'm, I'm sure um, Tom Colomossi would have got that story from uh, very, very reputable sources. And if those sources were telling him that Tielemans didn't want to play Champions League football, then, you know, I think there'd be more questions to be asked there. So I wouldn't read too much into it. I think Arsenal uh, still have a lot of sway. I mean, they managed to get Thomas Partey into the club when they were just Europa League. They managed to get Martin Odegaard into the club and didn't have any European football at all. So their calibre and their, their their track record for bringing in good players, despite not being an elite European competition, I think is pretty proven. I think if we look at this Arsenal squad today, we're all pretty happy with it, maybe except for the centre-forward position and a few other areas of the squad. So Arsenal have shown they can bring in good players regardless of being in the Champions League or not. And Mikel Arteta and Eddie and the entire scouting team do a lot of due diligence when it comes to scouting the right personality, scouting the right type of character. So I don't think they'll be wanting to bring in anyone who's not the right fit stylistically because that's what Mikel Arteta, as you said quite rightly, values really, really highly. Uh, I think one of the first things he said about the Aaron Ramsdale deal was that he was a great personality. Same with Ben White. He says that above their playing ability. Uh, obviously, playing ability is very important, but character is also very high on the list too. So I think, yeah, Arsenal will be we're very keen to, to bring in a player like Tiedemann. I think he'll be a boost to their midfield options. And I think he'll be the right character. If Arsenal have, have really scouted him in depth, which is what they have done, then I'm sure he'll be the right character to fit into the group. How early do you see Arsenal signing their first marquee player? Good question. Uh, it's it's difficult to put a date on it, to be honest. Uh, we know that they're back in pre-season on the 27th of June. Uh, they travel then to Germany on a pre-season camp. Uh, they play Nuremberg on July the 8th. I think they, they'd love to get deals done before then, but I don't think it's ever quite as simple as that. I don't think it's for a lack of trying. Tielemans has said that he'll make a, a decision on his future after the international break, and we're recording this on a Monday. His final game with Belgium is on a Tuesday, so... There's there's time to be there's time to, to make those decisions. I think players go on holidays now after the international break, particularly mm. ones who've been involved in international football like Tielemans, like Jesus, and like plenty of the other players Arsenal are targeting. So it could take a little bit of time, but negotiations take a while. Arsenal and Manchester City are sort of they have a gap in between the valuation of the player right now. So there's talks that need to be done there. There's things that still need to be ironed out. So it could take a bit of time, but I think Arsenal are they, they know that they need to get stuff done in the transfer min- window. It's, it's still very early days. I, I heard the other guys' points about um, sort of Haaland and, and Liverpool bringing in Nunez and those kind of things. I think those are those are fair points, but I wouldn't get too stressed um, right now. I think there's there's plenty of time, and the window's only been open for literally three days. Hmm. So I think there's there's plenty of time for those deals to be done. I get why people are, are, are concerned because they look at the other teams and they, they don't want Arsenal to fall behind, particularly after this season was such a good opportunity to get Champions League football. But I think Arsenal have a very clear plan. They're going into the market knowing what they want to do and they did it well last summer. So I think I think we sort of have to trust in those guys to to get the deals done. It might take a bit of time, but hopefully they'll be able to get them in. And how many how many players do you think we're, we're going to sign come the first game of the season? Um, obviously, you know, the transfer window is not closed then, but we want to be ready for then. I mean, <laughs> we don't want to repeat what happened last season. So yeah. how many how many signings do you see we are away or... Um, Arsenal will make so that we are absolutely 100% ready for um, a you know dogfight for that top four finish. Well, if you ask Mikel Arteta, he'd be wanting to get all of his players in you know before preseason even starts, so he can train them all the way through, get them sort of ingratiated into the culture, tactics, all that kind of stuff. So it's never 
quite that simple. Personally, I think it's a, a really strange thing that the transfer window continues after the season is ongoing, particularly this season where the season starts so early. I think it's August 6th mm-hmm. where the games start and September 1st is when the transfer window closes. So that's a month, basically, a speculation while games are going on, which is just going to cause all manner of chaos. And I think that's going to be really problematic speaking to people within the game that they're not too happy about that so that's something that that's worth bearing in mind I mean how many signs will last were made before the first game of the season I, I don't know it's, it's impossible for me to say right now because if I say one number then I'm sure people will, yeah. will clip it up and then I'll, I'll have it back I know that Arsenal want to get business done I know they want to sign a striker they want to sign a midfielder they will have signed Matt Turner by then so they'll have a backup goalkeeper they might be looking for a fullback as well. So there's there's deals to be done in the summer. Whether they'll be able to have them done by the first game of the season, I don't know. I know they want to get them done by then, but these things can drag on. Cool. Um, Monty, um, Takahiro Tomiyasu was our final season, final signing of last season, if I'm not mistaken. And it was one that kind of was plucked out of thin air. Um what do you prefer? Do you prefer Arsenal to, to be making these um, mainstream, quote-unquote mainstream signings, your, your, the likes of your Jesus and your Tillemans, or um, go down the traditional route of doing their due diligence, doing their scouting um, at you know the top-tier level and signing the players that big teams aren't looking at. We're, we're currently in competition with Chelsea and others to sign um, Jesus. Um, what, what, you, what, do you, what do you prefer Arsenal would do? What kind of route do you prefer Arsenal to take this summer? I mean, at the end, end of the day, for me, I'm, I'm always going to prefer due diligence just because I want a player who's got the right profile. Um, and you can see exactly what they did with Tommy Yasu, that he's he's very versatile. He can play on the left, he can play on the right, he can also step in at centre-back. So when we when we were doing our 4-4-2 in defence and then expanding to more of a 3-2-3-1, um, we was able to do that because he could come onto the on, on as a fullback. Um, so for me, it's more about the profile, um, which I much prefer than say like a big name. I mean, that's sort of what Manchester's Manchester United's been doing for the last five years, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Because um, it's all about balance and how the team works. So it's all good getting these sort of big signings, which everyone loves, and it's great for the marketing, sells sells shirts, and fantastic all for it. But at the end of the day, if 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 the manager doesn't want that player or doesn't feel like he is necess- he's going to improve the squad, I'm only I can only support that. Um, and I think when you actually look at the history of the deals that he's done, um, I can only really think of three that I'm not really that happy with which was the um Mari was was just a bit of a waste uh William didn't go too well but we weren't to have known it wasn't gonna go well um just because we knew how good of a player it was um and then maybe just the way that Saliba was handled um but apart from that I think all of his signings he's done have sort of been plucked out of nowhere and, and just look at Ramsdale I mean yeah he wasn't he wasn't a fantastic player people were slandering him before he even got to touch the ball um, but it was something that Kai said as well it's about the personality and it's something that he specifically spoke on about Ramsdale and um, talking about how after he would concede a goal or any of those mistakes he was instantly onto the defenders he was always like keeping them up he was just shouting and, dem- and commanding at the back of the line even even if they've just shipped in four goals um, he would still still be there so I think it's more about how, how they gel as a team 
Um, because at the end of the day, a good team works when they all know what each other are doing and and about the chemistry, because you can have great world-class stars who do change games, obviously. But when you have a team who just know where they are, they become efficient. Um, So it's just about having some of the quality in with the coefficient squad. So I feel like we could get a marquee signing, but... If, if they're not right fit, they're not the right fit. So I, I, I'm going to sort of trust them um, just in base of what they've done already. Um, I think the, the last window was good, um, personally. I, I think it could have been better, but they 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 did what we needed to do. They needed the covers covered sort of the holes, and there was just some some mishaps in sort of the January where we could have got a strike and we didn't. But I, I, I'm looking forward to the season. Uh, I'm looking forward to this, this this window as well. I think there's going to be lots of movement, as Kai said as well. That they they obviously want their targets, um, and Mikelita is going to want more. Um, that that's just business. It's just whether they can actually get the deals done. Um, and I think as well we keep talking about incomings, but we need to start talking about outgoings as well. Um, because until we can ship some people out of the team, um, it's going to be hard bringing them in um, just, just for wage issues, like such as players, players such as Torreira. Um, you've got Mari, Reese Nelson might be out. Nuno Tavares might might be heading out on a loan. Um, so there's, there's several things that are going on. Um, it's just about how it plays out. But it, it, I, I think I think they, they've, got, they've got their plan and they've had this plan for a while. Um, and it just shows as well in that they 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 said that they have sort of three targets for each position that they want. They want twenty two outfield players, so they've given us clear indication of what they want. Um, now it's just a case of everyone speculating about whether they can do that. So that's just something we're gonna have to see develop as as it comes along. I think mm. personally. Okay, well look, let's talk about the uh, potential incomings and outgoings, some of the rumors and links, and it wouldn't be a preseason podcast without uh, the rumors. Uh, James, some of the players that are potentially leaving, you know, it, it, I'll be surprised if uh, players like Pablo Mari and maybe even Reese Nelson, Ainsley Maitland Niles, um, these kinds of players, I'll be surprised mm. if 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 they're still here come the you know the 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 end of the transfer window. But a player that's been linked with a move away, who I never thought I'd say this, but I'd be really surprised and I'd be a little bit um, sad to see this player leave if he does, especially going into a season with as many games as we're going to be playing. And that's uh, Granite Shaka. Um, reports come out today that he, that, that, that Bayern Leverkusen might come in for yeah. him for a loan move. Um, I find that really bizarre, you know, considering how scarce we are in that position in the central center of midfield which i strongly believe cost us the um you know top four finish and um, i wrote a piece yesterday about uh you know what makes the perfect central midfielder and how costly it was to to not have uh, enough bodies to fill in that position but if granite shaka goes we're gonna need to at least sign in my humble opinion two potentially stroke free new centimeters who can come in and do a job um what do you think about granite shaka potentially leaving is this is this something is this something that is, is a wise move for Arsenal to it's interesting it's really really interesting because a few years ago when the whole fiasco happened with Unai Emery and the whole turn against the fans everyone would have gone yep get him out absolutely absolutely not no one can be doing that and it just it just shows what you know credit to Arteta because he came in and he went and he and he spoke to Granit Xhaka I think on a 
on a human level and was like, I need you to stay here. You're part of my project. Uh, you know, forget what happened before. This is a clean slate. This is a, you know, this is a, a time for everyone to, to unite. And I think he, he has done that. And credit to Granit Xhaka. He has come back from that when everyone thought he was done. And he and he's, you know, he's he's improved as a player. Like last season, I think was probably one of the best seasons I've seen of Granit Xhaka. You know, from a from a probably a leadership standpoint and a and a, and a player standpoint, I really I really enjoyed watching 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 his games. So if we were to lose him, I think you know fans would be disappointed as as you are because you know is to come back from you know near exit. And the way he, the, the because of what he did, what he did is 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 commendable. And I think he he came out with an interview and he said, you know, I might not be, you know, I'm I know I might not be on the fan side, but I'm going to try my best to to get back to that level. And if I'm if I ever get, I think one of the quotes was about the captaincy. He said, uh, you know, I if I, if I was offered it again, which he was, then I'd wear it with pride and, until the last day I'm here. And I hope I hope the last day he's here is not you know, this summer, because it would be a shame to lose him. Mm. Um, yeah. Kaya, um, he did feature for Switzerland yesterday as they beat Portugal 1-0. And if I'm not mistaken, um, he does have an option to extend his contract by a year, but that extension is, um, I mean, the deadline for that ex- extension is the clause to, to extend is is approaching. Uh, talk to me about Granit Xhaka and kind of the role that he played last season, sitting alongside Thomas Partey. The partnership was a match made in heaven, some might argue. And we saw, you know, the consequences of not having Partey sitting next to um, Granit Xhaka. I think the last 10 games of the season, we lost five of those because Partey was absent. And so... How do Arsenal play this? Is this someone that they absolutely must keep for next season, or can he be replaced? Can others c- come in and and do a similar role? It's a really good question with a lot a lot of questions within one question there. So I'll try and I'll try and get to them all. But, Welcome uh, to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. <laughs> yes, Welcome exactly, in. exactly. <laughs> Um, yes. Okay. Where to start? Granit Xhaka, our last team. So I'll, I'll go through last last season. I'll go through like the tactical side of things first. I think. He showed us a side to his game that I don't think any of us really thought was there in terms of obviously Arsenal played with a double pivot before and he's sort of been sort of chilling in his armchair, just waiting for Kieran Tierney to go up upfield, kind of mm. just babysitting that that left-hand side and doing it really well, to be fair to him, last season. I think he's, it was sort of last season. But when I say last season, I mean 2021, not 21-22. It's, it's sort yeah. of we're in that halfway house where no one really knows what I mean when I say last season and next season. But 2021... Uh, Xhaka was excellent playing that double pivot role and I don't think any of us really saw him as a a box-to-box left-sided number eight. I don't think anyone really saw him as that and then suddenly Mikel Arteta asked him to do it and he did it and he's done it pretty well. Um, Obviously, all the attack tends to go down Marcin Odegaard's side so Xhaka tends to be a little bit more defensive, a little bit more responsible, a little bit more covering but he's done a good job and I think... You, you noticed how influential he is on the Arsenal midfield when he was sort of moved out to left back for that game against Brighton, which I think was a catastrophic decision. And when he was brought back into the midfield for the games after, Arsenal looked like a much better unit. So he's done really well. The question whether anyone else could possibly improve, 
I think there are players out there in terms of the offensive side of the game as a, a left eight who who can do what Xhaka does and maybe add more of a goal threat. Obviously, you all remember that goal against Man United and how fun that was. But mm. there are players out there, a Tielemans, for example, who who will probably add more of a goal threat. But I don't think that guy coming in would necessarily mean that you'd have to get rid of Xhaka. The question is, would Xhaka want to be someone who, who sits on the bench and maybe plays more of a bit part role than being the guy who comes in and plays every single minute? I know he's a he's a big leader around around the camp at Arsenal, very popular at London Colney. All the coaching staff love him. All the players love him. He's, he's, he's very popular. And I think a lot of the fans are starting to love him as well. It's, it's taken a while. Obviously, we all know what happened at Crystal Palace. But in the last game of the season against Everton, he was given a standing for everyone around the, the pitch. So, yeah, I think there's a question to be asked. Fielder, does Granit Xhaka want to stick around and not necessarily play every game? He's someone who's never been afraid of a fight. I think we might have lost him there. Think so. <laughs> it's normally me. He is normally um, you. I was just going to say he's done a James. Uh, All right. Yeah. Let, um, let's uh, continue. Arsenal. There's. This... Oh, he's back. Oh. Is he back? Oh, sorry. Sorry. He kind of cut off there, Kyle. Sorry, he kind of missed the last thirty seconds. Sorry. Sorry. That's uh, anything. Yeah, I'm. I'm back in now. Am I? You yeah. can hear me. We can hear. Yeah, loud and clear. Cool. Cool. So where 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 did you get me last? Sorry about that. Um, where did we get you last? We got you last. Oh, the fans. Uh, fans becoming yeah. yes, yeah. So the fans fans seem to be back on side with him. He's he's very popular around the the stadium. Very popular around the training ground. It's it's a tough decision as to whether he would want to stick around. When he signed his contract extension last summer, what the club sort of briefed um, was that he, it was kind of it, it made sense in terms of a bit of value protection. Mm. Uh, so, oh, oh, <laughs> he's gone. He's gone. He's absolutely. He's just gone away. He's just disappeared. He's Poof. Normally, me. So you know, <laughs> it's, you know, if he wants his back, you know, I'm. It's not. It is normally me. And I'm I think, Ky- yeah, I think Kai got bored of us, didn't he? And he just decided to go. I'm sure he'll be back. Um, look, uh, yeah. Monty, I'll ask. You, I'll pose the same question to you. Uh, Granite mm-hmm. Shaka, um, love him or hate him, he does a good job in midfield. And I often put him in the same bracket of boring central midfielders. And every club needs it. You look at Liverpool. You've got uh, Jordan Henderson. You look at Man City, and you well, Man City actually you don't really have. But maybe Gundogan would be put in the same kind of bracket but you need someone who can do a job who can do a solid job that sits in midfield who knows what to do you sit off you defend your lead or you push forward and you help the creative midfielders those are the two most important roles and he man he's managed to execute it really really well last season and um, I just don't know how many of those types of players are available in the market so um, yeah how do you see this playing out? Um, I think one of the sort of key things that I took away, especially from what I do said about the 22 outfield players. Now, I think Jacques as a player, I, I, I do like him as a player. I, th- I think he, he does well. And especially over sort of the last season, I think it was more actually when he, when he had that sort of public um, sort of discussion with the fans to basically tell him what was going on. I feel like that sort of took a weight off his shoulders and sort of got a lot of fans on his side because it sort of gave it from his side um, because we, we sort of looked at it from the outside and we, we, ne- we didn't get to know and it was during sort of, um, there, there was just a lot of going on around him, uh, around his personal life. So I feel like opening that sort of reconnecting with the club and reinvigorated him and we, we've sort of seen that since that interview. Um, as a player, I, I, I do agree with Kyra in the sense that um defensively and, and just as a, as a, a 
doing the job, sort of like what El Nani does. He just does his job. Um, it's going to be hard to replace, but I do think there are more exciting eights out there who can offer more of, like on the attack. Um, yes, Xhaka does score the, the the normal annual goal against Man United, which is great. But at the end of the day, I want to be getting about eight goals eight goals, six goals and four or five assists from, from an eight. Um, and ideally would love to get to double figures, but I mean, to get to get that from, a, from an eight is, is going to, it's going to be hard. Um, but in regards to how it's going to work, I mean, one of the things that I would look for is if we do bring in a player such as Tielemans, uh, considering that we're going to be playing, if we do deep runs in each competition up to about 50 games, I think that you could see, maybe completely new midfield partnerships it could be a case of and depends on the game that we're playing if we if we need to be more attacking we could see maybe a party Tielemans um, if, we, if we're sort of on a more defensive approach from playing such as the likes as City or or uh, Chelsea Liverpool um, teams such as like that you might see sort of the Xhaka party um, so there could be sort of a rotation within the squad. I don't think it's necessarily uh, a major one if we are to bring a midfielder in that Shaka's going to sort of be worrying about his position because I really do think that the main focus on next year... Oh, Has, you've muted yourself oh. there, Monty. It's all right. It's his first day. <laughs> it's his first day in the job. We'll let oh. him off. Why have you muted yourself? <laughs> Oh, sorry. You probably can hear me now. Yeah, can you? Yeah. Oh, God, sorry. I must have slipped. Told you, don't fiddle around with the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Where did no, you catch me up to? Um, I believe it was... Um, it was about sort of rota- yeah, the yeah, rotation. rotation yeah. I think I think for this year, that, that's sort of what we're seeing with... It's something to see with the William Saliba. So William Saliba is coming back. Um, we know he's coming back. And Ben White and Gabrielle are going to stay there. So that gives you solid intent on what he's going to be doing. Um, and Rob Holding's not leaving. So um, I think that shows you sort of how well we're going to sort of manage it. Because I think if you look at the sort of the, the minutes that a lot of our players are doing, especially um, sort of players such as Lacazette last year, uh, when Abba left, um, and uh, Bukayo Saka, um, they were just doing too many minutes. And I think it's it's a case of being able to sort of even out the game time between them to one to reduce injuries, keep players fresh, and that's how play like teams such as City, um, more so than Liverpool, but City just dominate every game. They just stay fresh, um, just because they all play less minutes. So I don't think I don't, I don't think Shaka um, needs to go personally. I, I don't think. I mean, if he does go, I, I'm not going to be too sad about it as long as a, a suitable replacement is sourced um, but if he has to stay I'm not going to be annoyed about it either um, I think we know what Shaka can bring us he, he's very solid it's just it's just those odd games he does have that sort of odd slip up in him um, which, which is it's more akin to his personality he, he just sort of goes into it 100% which you can't really fault mm-hmm. um, but it does cost us in some games but I, I, I'm not I'm, ad, I'm not really um, adverse to one side I'm not a sort of a pro or, or, or sort of anti Xhaka um, I just I just sort of I see his role in the team I know he can do and like I stated as well like he's he's very well liked in the squad um Mikel Arteta made that very clear when he started he he literally went to him spoke to him and told him he was part of the team after the fans I think half the, the team didn't want him in so um it, it, sh- it shows you sort of how Arteta values him um 
and Kai said that the staff as well. So I don't think we're going to see him leaving unless sort of a, a deal just too good to say no to comes up. But for that to happen, you're talking about 25, 30 million. Mm. Um, so I, I, I don't see it happening. Personally, I, I think it's just a case of we need to get another midfielder um, just to sort of add in that depth, which is the main thing. The depth of the quality is the <clears throat> is the big issue at the moment. It really is, yeah. And I, I don't know whether it's just me who's really stressed about it, but next season, being in the Europa League, I am very, very... Um, aware and almost too aware of what can happen if you don't have enough depth in your squad Um, because there was a period and I love repeating this story but there was a period in the last Europa League campaign where we were winning a Europa League game then losing a league game winning a Europa League game then drawing dropping points left right and centre and that's what I guess cost us um, European football the season where we finished 8th and I guess it's no surprise to see a new player being linked to Arsenal every day Um, Um, That position in itself will be the most important aside from number nine. And actually, quite interestingly, um, it was brought to me by Orbinio, the infamous Orbinio on Twitter, that Arsenal fired more shots on target from outside the box than any other team in 2021-22 season with 67. So I don't know whether it's actually creating the chances, which is the problem. It's It has to be down to the finesse and the quality of finishing. Mm-hmm. So is it a surprise then that we're being linked with players like Richarlison and Rafinha, etc., etc.? James, out of the two, who do you who would you rather see? I mean, obviously, there's a question of also Nicola Pepe, who has reportedly, supposedly sold his house and has moved out completely. But um, and I'm sure that you know more will come of that as the you know the window nears to the end. Um, but one thing for sure, we will have to fill in that position. What kind of a profile of player do you? would you like to see fill in, in on that side? Um, and out of the two, who do you, who would you rather see? Out of Richardson and who, sorry? Rafinha. Rafinha, oh, sitting. Well, it seems like the, the links with Richarlison has died down a little bit ever since Spurs have entered the race. But, you know, anything can happen. I would go them. I would go all out for Serge Canabria and bring him home, to be fair. Hmm. Um, I don't know how likely that is though seeing as he wants yeah. 300 and whatever thousand pounds a week yeah um, yeah. so um, I mean realistically I feel like it will be down to a player of that ilk someone yeah. if who, I had, yeah. had to go to if I had to go for one of them it would probably be <sighs> it would probably be Rafinha actually because I you know I I like what I see from him <laughs> Uh, yes, I haven't seen a lot because I don't watch many Leeds games. Uh, but every time I've seen him in highlights or or anything like that, he's always impressed me. Richarlison, yeah, he can be good on his day, but then he just goes missing a couple of times. You know, Everton Ever- nearly got relegated, so uh, we need someone that's going to show up consistently. And uh, yeah, Rafinha is definitely. Uh, definitely one to look out for but you know it's all rumours at the minute and uh, yeah it's going to be a long old summer okay what kind of qualities do you want to see in your winger because ideally one of them whoever we sign will be playing as a right winger Uh, if we've got no as a left winger no as a right winger I don't know where does Bukayo Bukayo Saka plays on the right right 
Bakayo yeah. Saka can play on both, I think. Right, so Bakayo Stoke play, plays yeah, on the right. Well. It's either Martinelli, Emil Smith-Rowe on the left. Ideally, someone mm. who is going to be a little bit more clinical and, you know, laugh at me. <laughs> I say that with uh, Martinelli on red-hot form, or ending the season on red-hot form. But yeah. um, what kind of qualities are we looking for for, for someone to replace <sighs> Nicola Pepe? What did he lack in that didn't... That didn't um, you know, fulfill the prophecy of him being that wonder kid. I think he just lacked football IQ. Yeah, I, I think he just yeah football IQ. I think uh, every time he got the ball, it was kind of he'd have a little burst of pace and then he'd kind of just slow down. Towards I saw him uh, on the last day, one game last season, he completely got the ball and then lost it. <laughs> he just didn't chase it, didn't didn't chase it down, just lost it. I don't know if that's if that is down to oh, you know what, it's the end of the season, I give up because I know, I know I'm going to be off next season. I just don't know. I think Pepe, you know, I think Pepe will go down as one of the most anticlimactic signings I think we've ever made because I think everyone was really excited to see Pepe when he first came in. There was all this hype around him, the fact that we paid 72 million, that doesn't help either. But, you know, we found out that that was complete. That was a complete false you know, whatever backdoor, whatever, you know, for Ralph Sandler, Ralph Sandler he's benefit. Um, allegedly. Maybe. <laughs> allegedly, yeah, not proven. But um, yeah, I think the, the 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 fee didn't help. And I think he just didn't, yeah, he made, he just didn't adapt. There were some games where he was absolutely brilliant. I think that's that Europa League game where he scored two free kicks that were absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, the, the first... Uh, the penalty, the penalty against Aston Villa that I was there for, I enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, there's not there's not many moments where I've gone, yeah, Pepe's really excited me or he's he's done anything worthwhile. So I think if we do cash in cash in this season, I think it will be, you know, see you later. Yeah, it, I don't think Arsenal will will care too much. Hmm. Kaya, I I. I... <sighs> I, I I see a different side to this, um, you know, fairy tale gone wrong. Here's a player who we signed for seventy two million. Started out okay. We can see the the flashes of brilliance, but ultimately, what led to his demise, in my opinion, was a lack of confidence, and that is a quality that I see in these two players that we've been linked with, Richarlison and Rafinha, who have bags of confidence because they're both playing in, in, in teams who were relegation bound um, both, you know, by the skin of their teeth survived it. Both show massive amount of character and just, you know, bags of ability on the board as well. Um, give me your ideal replacement for Pepe. If it is either one of these two and potentially how important could it be to get this recruitment right? Because you talk about, you know, needing goals up front in that number nine position, but goals, as we've seen in previous seasons from your Martinelli's and your Bakayo Sackers can also come in abundance if you get it right down the flanks. Yeah, it's a tough one with uh, with Pepe. I think he's he's someone who uh, his, his signing was, was obviously very high profile. And when he came in, he was unlucky in the sense that uh, obviously the manager who brought him in left pretty soon after he arrived. Uh, there was all the uncertainty with Mikel Arteta's arrival. And it's, it seems that Mikel Arteta sort of doesn't fully trust Pepe. And then obviously the most important thing in his unluckiness, I guess, is the emergence of Bakayo Saka. When he signed, I don't think many of us really knew too much about Bakayo Saka. And then suddenly this kid comes in and there's, 
probably the best academy prospect Arsenal have ever produced and Nicola Pepe finds himself sat on the bench that's not going to help when you're adapting to a new country adapting to a new league obviously we've seen those stories about how uh, he's still not fully fluent I think he's still struggling with the language a little bit in terms of the adaptation process his close friends uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang have now left so that makes life a lot more difficult in terms of adaptation. I think if you look at him at Lille, he kind of was the guy, the one who they were hoping would always make the difference. Arsenal, he's never, ever had that status. And I don't think he's ever really been made to feel like he had that status. And I, I don't know if that's really on Arsenal, but in terms of assigning, it's just unlucky. I think, like you were saying, if it hadn't been 72 million, then I don't know if Arsenal fans would be so disappointed with with how it's turned out with Pepe I think if he was a 30 million pound signing we'd all be saying oh yeah this is a decent piece of business not great not awful mm-hmm. just a decent piece of business but 72 million is how much he costs and you know that's that's how, how you have to judge him uh, as for a replacement I don't really know uh, there's there's so many players out there who who could be a great fit um I really, I think Rafinha is a good player. I think Richarlison is a good player. I've seen the reports of Jared Bowen. I think he's a good player. There's yeah. so many good right wingers out there who, who who could come into Arsenal and make the team a lot better. My my thing is, it's quite difficult to convince that quality of player to come in, knowing that they're probably going to be back up to Bukayo Saka all season. Footballers back themselves and always think that they could come in and, and steal anyone's first team spot, but it's quite a tough sell and to spend the amount of money it would take to bring in a Bowen, a Rafinha, a Richarlison, who Richarlison, by the way, has attracted a lot of interest in Spurs. And yeah. that seems to be more of a fit for me. But I think, mm. uh, yeah, to attract that kind of player is uh, is going to be difficult. And it, whether Arsenal view it as a priority is, is going to be tricky as well. I, I don't, Pepe, to me, seems like someone who's going to be difficult for Arsenal to get the amount of money they really want for him or they know he's worth. I think, objectively, if you're looking at Pepe now, how much is he worth? I, I, I'm interested to see what you guys think about this, but I'd, I'd say around yeah. 30 mil. Mm. Would that be fair? I think? mean, look, interestingly, there have been reports in the last few days that he's been linked with a move away for about 20 to 25 mil. I can't remember exactly what club um, wanted him. I think there are a number of French clubs as well as AC Milan might be in for him as well. Um, you know, he, he is a player, regardless of what kind of season he's had, uh, he is someone who has qualities, can, you know, create, like I said, flashes of brilliance. So I, I, I wouldn't be too disappointed with 2025 mil, considering the current market. And, you know, we are coming off the back of a global pandemic, which has, you know, shattered the economy of other, um, you know, European countries. We almost forget um, how badly hit these countries are, especially uh, Italy. <laughs> you only need to look at the reports that Fiorentina are only willing to pay seven, eight mil for um Torreira and um you know I think who's it Udinese or somebody else who can't even afford uh to sign Pablo Mari so yeah I think 20 to 25 mil is is respectable you cut your losses and you I guess reinvest in um someone who is maybe not so flashy someone who's not put in the limelight um I I I want Arsenal to go back to the days where they signed and it's it's a bit of a, a an ironic statement to make because we did sign Pepe with the intention of signing someone who was um up and coming and someone who was a little bit under the radar but i would like arsenal to to you know reinvest in their scouting network and potentially sign someone who um isn't in the in the limelight as much for for 2025 20, mil 
Yeah, I, I think I think it it would be it would be a, a good piece of business if Arsenal can get twenty or twenty five million for him. I think if, if someone came in and offered that for him, Arsenal would probably be be willing to say that. That's just conjecture. That's not something I've heard uh, from anyone in and around the club at the minute. But uh, the th- thing with Pepe that makes it tricky. He's obviously he's on massive wages and the, the whole two-year deafness contract kind of signed or sell. He's obviously not going to sign a new deal. So Arsenal are kind of in a position where they know they have to sell. And I don't think any of the clubs who are interested in him will think, right, this is Nicola Pepe. We need to spend £25 million on him now or we're never going to get him. They'll think, OK, we can't get him now. Let's try again from him maybe in 12 months' time when Arsenal are in a much weaker position when it comes to uh, a desire to... to to sell him. And also I think Nicola Pepe wanting to leave so much means that Arsenal have less of a bargaining power in the transfer market. It, it seems to me like one that could drag on Nicola Pepe's exit. It seems to me like one where, like you mentioned, clubs in Europe are relatively cash strapped. So whether they'll be able to put up that money, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe some form of loan deal might be sensible just because he wants to leave. But then if he does leave, Arsenal do have to replace him. And we all know what Marquinhos is someone we spoke about at the start. Reese Nelson's coming back on from his loan at, at Feyenoord. <laughs> Even still, you'd, you'd think they might need a bit more strength and depth beyond Bukayo Saka. So, yeah, it, it's a very it's a very tricky one with no real obvious end in sight right now, but definitely one to keep an eye on as the, the transfer window continues, I think. Here's here's a name for you, Monty. Um, and someone who we've completely, not maybe disregarded, but forgot to mention, someone who's been linked with Arsenal earlier on in the week, um, one that raised eyebrows. And for me, it was a quite a good... Um, surprise to see Leandro Trossard discuss I mean Leandro Trossard I think we we all know he's a great player um, just just regards to how, how he carries Brighton um, do I see him as the right fit for Arsenal personally not um, just on a profile side because um, if you look at sort of the, the talent that we have been going for we are looking for young fast athletic wingers who can cross a ball and Trossard when I watch when I watch I don't watch every game for Brighton but I do watch a few because I really like Graham Potter and I think I think he's a great tactician um you sort of see him more as an inside forward mm-hmm. um and coming in and he can sometimes come in as a second striker at times and I just don't think that's the type of player we are going for um that's why sort of with the sort of the angles with the sort of a Charleston and the Rafinha they are the profiles that I would see us more approaching. Um, so on the, on the Trossard front, I mean, I can't really say too much on it because there hasn't really been anything direct from the club. There hasn't really been any solid reports that I, I've been sort of reading uh, on it. Um, so I can't really talk too much about it, but I think as a, as a player personally, I don't think he's the sort of profile that we'll be going to just for the way that he, the style that he plays. Now, if you were to say, mentioned like the Rafinhas and the Richarlsons and yes I think that is maybe even someone like Alex Maximan that's that, that like the type of profile of players they're exciting players who just take on a player um, and you see that in Gabriel Martinelli you see the Saka they are the type of profiles that we want the only issue now is just the is the finishing um, and it's something you brought up earlier is Arsenal have had the most shots outside of the box they always had the six most shots on target uh, sorry, the fourth most shots, but the sixth most goals. Um, and that's sort of why we have finished. If we scored a couple of those goals, we would be sitting in that fourth position. Um, and that's just a case that we need to just get more clinical finishes. And I don't, I, ju- I, I just don't see Trossard uh, as being as that. But that's, per- that's just me personally. Um, 
Mm. I, I couldn't say anything to that, that that's come out of anywhere. Um, but me personally, I, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. I, I, I think it's just a bit of a, a bit of a ruse at the moment. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of those sort of going around. Um, and it, yeah, I, I mean, like the whole Serge Gnabry thing. It's, um, it's it'd be great to have him back. It would be great. I think as a player wanting to get 300k a week though, it, it's just not going to happen. I mean, he, he was asking Liverpool for that and that would make him their biggest earner. <laughs> Oh bless me! Bless uh, more so than uh, Mo Salah and um, Sadio Mane. So I'm not going. I'm not buying into the Trossard uh, links too much. I, I don't. I. I don't. I just didn't, didn't ever see it. Even as a player, uh, as a profile, I, I just. I couldn't see it. But I think one of the things that I did see today, though, in regards to the Charleston um, uh, front, it was actually uh, an article that was put out by one of the Brazilian outlets in Brazil. I think it was UOL. Um, and they were talking about the interest from Arsenal uh, going on that front. And it was talking about how um, the, the, the player or the player's agent was saying that the player might feel forgotten on the bench. Um, because obviously if he's coming in as a right wing, we've got Saka. It's a back case of how can the manager tell a player that's coming in that he's going to get those chances. Because, I mean, Saka played, I believe, the most minutes as an outfield player mm. uh, throughout last season. And I think it was something like... 38 games and a silly amount of minutes, even more more games. Um, but in regards to the, that type of character, I don't see Trossard personally. But I, I see more going the other side and some of those exciting sort of players. I think Trossard is a great player and a good squad player and he can he can play a role. Um, but I couldn't see him also. I could see him more fitting in a team such as sort of um, Tottenham um, where they sort of rotate a little bit more at the front, um, have a bit more f- uh, fluidness at the front, whereas we sort of have a rigid sort of structure and a plan. Um, it's just it's just more about those final balls for us, which um, which need to get finished. Which I, I don't think he's the guy. Mm, see, look, I, I tend to see the flip side of the argument, which is... <clears throat> Arsenal, if if there's one thing that they're lacking right now, they have all the qualities, skills and talent in the squad. But there's something really important that they're missing. And that is experience. But more so a mentality, a mature kind of experience. The ability to know how to get through games and the ability to know how to approach a game. Uh, I think back to the last three, four games of the season where we completely choked and we choked because we didn't have the amount of experience needed on the pitch to see us through tough moments of the game. There was not much of that on the bench either. And actually I see someone like Trossard and I say like Trossard um, and I hope Arsenal target players like Trossard with the age profile and the ability to make a difference when they come onto the pitch. Um, and, and that's because we need it. We need to be able to get points from games where we struggle to get to find momentum and rhythm in. Um, games like Southampton, games like Crystal Palace, games like Brighton, incidentally, where we struggled because we weren't able to set the right tempo we, where we weren't able to find um i don't know like a, a a pathway into games and so i don't know i mean james is it is it a question of maturity age over talent or is it over purely based on young hungry players that will just give you bags of um youthfulness if that's the right word 
What, what would you rather see? Oh, sorry, James, I've, I've muted you. Yeah, go, go on then. Yeah, go on. No, I, I think you need, you need uh, to find a balance between those two. I think if you found someone that's on the young, like on the old side but still brings a bit of that experience and, and youth and, and, and not not so old, like, you know, but at the same time, uh, I think uh, a Trossard would be... <laughs> I like what I see of him for Brighton because he's almost certainly almost every time the standout player. Um, I've heard of a different target that Arteta really likes. I saw an article a few weeks ago uh, is uh, Villarreal's Arnaut Danjuma. Um, hmm. he, he's, he's a player that Mikel Arteta really likes and apparently when, when he heard that he was available, he wanted to go after him, but there are so many rumours and so many uh, stories. I've seen Asensio be uh, being linked today from Real Madrid. That's another, you know, story that is is out there. Uh, so until we get concrete, you know, rumours and, and and things that we're actually going to do, I, I I take sort of I've learnt to take it because usually uh, previously I've gone, oh yeah, we're going to sign this player, this player, this player. You, you know, it's like a, a shopping spree. <laughs> I've learned uh, on Twitter and as the season's gone by uh, that rumours can circulate out in a thin air and everyone can be uh, can be um, rumoured with everyone. So I just sit back and relax now and, and, and wait until the rumours start gaining a little bit more uh, momentum until I... Think about who we're going to sign, but hopefully we do get uh, a player in that area because it's, it's it's where we really do need it. Yeah, and um, Kaya, I mean, you know, James mentioned uh, Arsenal being linked to Asensio. I feel like we, we we're linked to Asensio and Car- Carver. How is it every every window? Um, but I'll, I'll pose the same question to you: Is it a case that Arsenal need to find this? <laughs> right balance in uh, the age group um, a few more senior mature players in the squad or um, do we scrap that and just go for these young hungry players um, like you know Richarlison, Rafinha those are the two I can only think of in my head Jared Bowen um, what do you think? I think uh, I'm not sure if I uh, am on board with you guys' uh, uh, assessment that the reason Arsenal sort of uh, fell apart towards the end of the season was uh, a lack of experience. I think if you look at the signings Arsenal made last summer, I say probably except for Nuno Tavares, they were they were all pretty experienced. They'd all had two or three seasons kind of at the no, but I mean in first team football. There's experience, and then there's a solidified senior player and when I mean I guess I'm talking about players above the age of 26 you know because it takes a while doesn't it for someone to really settle into senior football for someone to fully grasp how they need to play the game how they read the game um, you could have all the talents and abilities in the world but unless you have been in that situation dozens of times you're not going to really know what approach to take does that make sense yeah it makes sense and i, I think the uh, you could argue that 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 um the seniority sure is something that is is is, is certainly lacking in this Arsenal squad in terms of age profile el nenny 
uh, Xhaka, Party, uh, kind of the, the three old ones, especially now Lacazette has gone. So I guess from that point of view, you might, you might want to look at balancing out the squads in terms of bringing in more uh, mid-range age players. But if you look at the targets Arsenal are going for, Jesus is 25, Tielemans is 25. Like they are going for that kind of age of player. Uh, mm. I, I don't know. I think players like Bukayo Saka have such strong characters. They, 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 I, I just I back them to, to get through these situations. I think this is a young group who are growing together. And I don't know. I think if you're you're going to bring players in, it has to be the right addition to the mix. And I don't know. I mean, Matt Turner, who's coming in, he's going to be twenty. He's twenty seven. So maybe that's a slightly older player in terms of seniority. But I don't know. I, I feel like this, this Arsenal squad is 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 okay in terms yeah. of experience. I mean, maybe that's not a popular opinion, but. Um, I, I just think these these young guys are uh, they're a lot more ready for these challenges that sometimes uh, we, uh, we we may I think we just as Arsenal fans we maybe worry about them because they're so young but I think I think I think a lot of them are ready for it I think a lot of them relish in these these kind of opportunities. No, look, I tend to agree because you know it it only took us um, to three seasons to really get to the crux of where we are with the squad, which is just on the brink of Champions League football. And I do genuinely believe that if Arsenal get these next two, three, maybe four signings right, we're in the midst of it. We're there. You know, Champions League football next season has to be given. Um, But it's a little bit worrying to me when I see reports coming out from uh, London Coney uh, and here's one from Charles Watts who says that there is a sense of a uh, inside of the Arsenal camp that they want to make sales first to know how much cash they can generate before kicking on and buying players this summer. And I guess it it kind of builds on uh, reports earlier on in the week that Arteta's frustration with how um, unprepared they are with the summer and, or maybe how, you know, lazy um, they've become with this, with the approach coming into the summer. Um, Kaya, is it is, is it this case of the same old Arsenal or do we need to just relax and just trust that they've got it covered? <laughs> um, I think I fall into the latter camp of the two, I'd, I'd probably say. I, I don't know. It's, like I said, it's still very early days and uh, Charles is, is one of the most reliably informed journalists out there. So I, I, if, he's, if that's what he's saying, then I, I'd... I'd certainly take it at face value and trust it. So I think I think that's that's something that is is certainly interesting. I, I I think Arsenal have their their targets in mind that they want to go for. They've gone into the window with a clear plan in terms of where they want to strengthen, and I, I don't think they're going to deviate from that. In terms of sales, they'll look to get as much money in, of course, for certain players. And there's players who need to be moved on. You think of your Terreros, you've mentioned, you think of players like Hector Bellerin. Uh, Alex Runnison is still an Arsenal player. Oh so, God, know, there's, yeah. lots of, there's lots of, exactly, there's lots of stuff that needs to be done in terms of the exit. I don't think you're the only one, mate. Don't worry about that. But I think that there's, there's lots lots that needs to be done in terms of the exit. So maybe it's a case of them wanting to, to get those done nice and early, just so that they don't get kind of hamstrung towards the end of the window in terms of negotiation it's all one big game of cat and mouse this transfer window and uh, I think I think it will come I think if we're having this conversation on maybe what is it 13th of June if we're having this conversation on 13th of August then maybe we can start to take it a bit more mm. seriously in terms of concerns over lack of incomings but for now I think I think Arsenal are probably just about fine on that front 
Monty, I'll pose the same question to you. Um, is it a case that Arsenal need to get their business done as early as possible or can they take a little bit of time out to get rid of the dead wood, start accumulating the amount of money that they actually have and then um, purchase the players that they need? Um, is it, can, it, can it be a risk you know, to leave their business so late um, considering how quick other clubs around us, the rivals, are conducting their business? Um, I think you've got to take into account a sort of multiple factors in that sense. I mean, every club wants to get their business done early. Um, every club wants to have their players sort of come back before pre-season um, and to be able to get, get them all working together. And that's something that Eddie actually said that they want to get them back, get them done early. Um, but like Kai says, I mean, the, the market is a strange place. Things can happen out of nowhere. Things can happen within days um, but things change as well I mean it looked dead set that Lucas Torreira was going to go to Fiorentina that hasn't sort of uh, manifested itself yet Mari was supposed to go to Udinese and that hasn't manifested itself yet and Leno was looking dead set to leave so I think we're just sort of waiting to get those things done I don't think there's a massive panic I think there's probably a lot of discussions going on with sort of agents uh, players agents saying like look we, we're interested um just need to sort of find out a few things because I mean the, the, the market can develop in a crazy set of ways there could be maybe a player that they thought was out of their reach that might become available because that player last minute that team's last minute bought another player so I think there's there's sort of multiple things to to, to to weigh up really um, and that can be seen sort of in the sort of exploratory um, bids that have sort of gone out and I think one of the big ones that was reported the other day was the uh, £51 million bid for Ozenham which was reported uh, by Il Matina um, that was rejected and I think those are sort of they're giving you an inkling of what they're, they're looking to do but at the end of the day they can't just go yeah we're going to have him 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 and him because you've got to play the market you've got to sell your players you've got to get them off the books um, you can't just have a wage bill that's inflating because that just destroys a club internally um, and, and that becomes well, you, you we haven't quite got the the uh, the Man United marketing piece, so we can't exactly afford to do those things. We're not in the use, we're not in the Champions League, so we haven't got those funds in as well. Um, and that's sort of why we were falling behind um, sort of the last six years, is because we kept trying to play catch up by sort of filling in with these big players and big wages. And I think with the Project Youth, which we did last year, which was about building the team and the base uh, with the young talent coming through and they can develop and become better and they're clearly passionate about the club because we're the ones that give them the opportunity um, and in regards to the experience I think they they were and I agree with Kai I, I think they were all players that did have quite a bit of experience I mean players such as Erdegaard who's playing we went to Real Madrid at 16 was loaned many times had lots of experience in, in cups deep runs as well um, Tommy Yasu as well was a dead set starter um, you also had sort of um, Nuno Tavares had some cup runs as well but Kieran Tierney a few years ago was another player had plenty plenty of experience so I don't think it's necessarily the experience of an issue it's more, it's more depth um, so it's in case of whether they can wrap the deals up. I mean everyone wants to get their deals done early um, but it's a case of if a club because Arsenal aren't going to want to spend their asking price no one wants to spend their asking price so they're going to come in at an earlier offer but that club's not going to want to sell for that offer so it's about they play the market themselves they wait for other offers so I think they know who they want to go for um, and I think it's just a case of patience and I would agree with Kai I mean if we get to August and no marquee signing's been done then that's 
then that would be an issue of concern. Um, but I think probably next next few weeks, you're not really going to hear much. I think it's going to be a case of maybe Eddie Nketiah's contract will mm. be sort of released and that will keep sort of the marketing going. Uh, then you might see the outgoings uh, and then you might see incomings. I, I think the big thing now is is the outgoings because that's more important because if we need to decrease the wage bill to create more money to buy incomings um, and generate more funds anyway. And then we can then we'll see those. Um and I said as well, we're in the international duty. We know sort of the Tielemans um, office are keeping quiet till after that. Um, Gabriel Jesus as well. There was a report uh, that came out today. It's about how their friends are keeping everything very quiet. Um, but talk, normally seems to suggest that there's quite tentative talks going on at the moment. So we just have to see how it develops. Um, if, if we're having this discussion again in August, then I think there is president to be worried and concerned. I think now it's just a case of we really just need to back the board. Um that they proved to us last season that they can get players in, um, and even in the last minute they can do that. So we just need we need to we need to give them a little bit of faith. Um, they haven't they haven't really disappointed us in the last two seasons. Um, there has been moments where they could have done better, but as a whole, I think they've done pretty good. Um, so I, 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 I'm I'm putting my faith in them, um, and I think it's just a case we need to just play it play it by ear and see how things unfold and how the market unfolds. Mm. Um, that would be, that'd be sort of my take on it. Absolutely. I wouldn't be too concerned. Yeah, and look, I don't think any of us needs to be concerned. I always feel a little bit silly actually talking about reports and you know potential signings as early as we're talking about it now. But what else can you do, um, James? I'm gonna we're nearing the end of the show, and I just want to yeah. end it by talking about a potential outgoing and a player who was out on loan last season uh, at Roma. I'm talking about, of course, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who's been yeah. linked with a move to Nottingham Forest, uh, the old stomping ground of one of our other ex-players, Carl Jenkinson, who's actually been released by um, his um, Australian club. Is it Melbourne? Plays for? Um, which is quite sad to see. But um, anyway, Maitland-Niles is potentially someone who Arsenal could face a tricky kind of predicament with um is is this a player that that arsenal keep and potentially keep as a squad player or do they move him on what is his what 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 does he want to do i mean he's 24 years of age um he probably most definitely won't be in the first team plans in a starter um but he can offer cover at right back he can offer uh cover in center mid what do you think the player will want um to do um, well just going back to that uh, other question about uh because i didn't i didn't uh, say anything about it that uh being quick with transfers i think if it was the other way around and we um brought everyone in too quickly and 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 uh there were signings people didn't like then I think there'd be a little bit, there'd be a little bit more uh, upheaval, shall we say, if we bought, if we started to panic buy and bring all these signings in really, really quickly. So I think, on the other hand, it's great that we're taking our time to really just see how the market develops and and, and take our time. But as for Ainsley Mate and Niles, I think uh, there were two sides to the coin. One, I'd like him. I would think he would be a, a good squad player because obviously of the injuries we've had to uh, Sakira to Miyasu I think he'd uh, if that if those issues were to happen again next season I think we, we would need somebody to fill that void and, and last season we didn't really have 
many people. I know we had Cedric, but even Cedric was playing left back sometimes for covering Bettini. So um, there, we, we lacked in that area. On the other hand, could we get someone better? Could we get someone better than Ainsley McNiles? Probably so. I know we've been linked with uh, Jed Spence from. Middlesbrough, but it looks like he's all but confirmed. Well, not all but confirmed, but all heading in the direction of our rival Spurs. So he's also scored uh, an own goal for England's under twenty three. So there we go. The Tottenham curse has big has begun. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> the Tottenham curse has begun. I've seen. I've already seen. Uh, already seen their. Uh, everybody's saying to Fraser Forster, say goodbye to trophies, and it's already begun on the Tottenham end. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know if uh, we'll get rid of Ainsley Maitland-Niles. It, it, also, it depends what the manager wants. He's won a trophy at Roma. He only, I think he only played eight times for Roma and still won a trophy. So, he, he, I don't know if you could count that as a good season. Um, but under Jose Mourinho, you're pretty nailed on to, to win a trophy or two. Um, so, who knows? Who knows what we're going to do? But I think Nottingham Forest would be a, a great destination for someone like Ainsley Mettenhouse because they're looking at, you know, they've just come up to the Premier League and they're looking at players they can buy and, and, and Ainsley could be on the relatively cheap side if they were to to acquire him because I don't think we'd, we'd ask too much. Um, I remember when uh, Wolves bid his 50, 15 million for Ainsley Mettenhouse apparently uh, back in, I think if it was last January... Um, but obviously he went to Roma. So we'll see what happens on that, on that front. Um, but yeah. Indeed we will. And um, just before we end the show, Kaya and Monty and James, I'm going to ask you all one question. And mm-hmm. that's if you, I'll start with Kaya, if you are Mikel Arteta and you're given the opportunity to sign realistic signings, mm-hmm. um, one player in one position, who would it be? <sighs> Do you want me to go first on that yes, one? Yes, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, aside from, you know, Carl Jenkinson, you, you've brought him up, the name's on the brain now. I can't really <laughs> get past him. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see him come back to the club in some form. I, I was one of the few people who actually bought a Carl Jenkinson shirt when he was at the club, just for full disclosure, given that we're sort of getting, it's a therapy podcast, so we're getting out all the traumatic <laughs> experiences. Uh, yeah, <laughs> an interesting time. But um, in terms of players... Hard to hard to look past Gabriel Jesus. I think he would be such a fantastic addition in terms of pressing, winning the ball high up the pitch, uh, trophy winning mentality, goal threat. I know his XG isn't as good as it should be, but he's still a very good goal threat. And uh, yeah, intensity, uh, just all the things you want from a striker. And also versatility, which is something that's underrated about him. He can play on the wings as well. So he could play with Nketiah. I think that'd be a very nice addition. So he's, he's my guy who uh, I would have to say he was my, my number one signing for this summer. Interesting. Very interesting. Monty, I'll ask you the same question. One position, one player, make it realistic. Um, if I had to, if I had, to, I would also agree uh, and say Gabriel Jesus, just because I, I think, I think with that, sorry, no, I think with that transfer is you get two in one, um, just for the sheer fact that he exactly. can go as right wing. He can, he can. So if Saka needs to take a game out, okay, he can go in at striker. Jesus can come on, and if Gabriel Nardelli needs to come off and we don't get a left winger this season, then we can take out Gabriel Nardelli and Jesus can come on and Saka on the right and okay, you're up front. Then you can maybe if Erdogan's tired, you put Yesar at ten. So it sort of frees up that position. 
Um, I, I think just for the versatility, it is a fantastic deal. Um, I mean, you, you've seen by his minute per, per goal ratio, it's ridiculous. I think it's only bettered by Aguero in the league. Um, it, it's quite phenomenal, actually. Um, and I think as a player, he's he, he's he's won it. He's won pretty much everything in England. Uh, he has won everything in England. Um, he knows what it what it's like to be in that sort of environment. And I think that's why we've seen sort of a, a lot of City players linked, just because of Arteta's links with the club. He knows what it takes to become successful. It's just about putting it into practice. So I would like to see Gabriel Jesus personally just because of the sheer versatility um and, and and we all know his class we all know he's a very very good player mm-hmm. um and I, I for me it's just mainly for the sheer fact that he can go in across the whole whole front three um and it's effective you're getting you're getting two players for one so that that would be my most that would be my most favored favored position but i also think there are there are other positions that need to be covered as well okay interesting again and finally james don't let me down Position, player, make it realistic. <laughs> oh, fine. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going to go oh, three out of dear. three and go Gabriel <laughs> Jesus. Uh, just because of the pure fact that, yeah, he's a versatile player. He can play right wing. So if we ever need to cover, like Monty said, he'd be perfect. He he like loves Arteta, apparently. You know, I think back to the All or Nothing documentary that I have actually watched about five or six times just because it's that much of it's that insightful into how Man City would play and when Arteta was there he was a big influential figure and all the all the Man City players you know you know loved him and uh, I think Jesus was one of them and if he was to link back with Arteta he'd you know he'd uh, enjoy himself um, so for me it would be Gabriel Jesus uh, but I understand we need to uh, get players in other areas uh, if I was to say a player that I would take other than that, it would probably be Yuri Tillemans, but for me, it's got to be Gabriel Jesus. I, I think I know who you're going to say, but, uh, you know, uh, next up, please don't disappoint me on that one, because I think I know who you're going to say. So. Well, look, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you guys, but I'm going to make it a full house. I was going to say Gabriel Jesus myself. <laughs> um, surprise, surprise. Okay. I mean, yeah, look, I think everything that we've discussed in this podcast, all the issues that we've raised, all the uh, limitations that we were left with last season is answered with Gabriel Je- uh, Jesus. Not only does he gives you g- gives you goals, he is, uh, you know, he doesn't, like, like I said, he doesn't have the greatest XG, but something that he gives you in front of goal is... Um, a threat Um, you know that you can rely on him to convert his shots into goals Um, I I couldn't say the same for someone like Nketiah I couldn't say the same for someone like Lacazette I couldn't even say the same for someone like Bamiang last season but with Jesus you know he is prolific enough to be able to get into those areas force himself into those situations and he's just his movement off the ball as well is brilliant he's able to his chemistry and his his ability to link up well with with others and you know like you said winning mentality the ability to you know get through a a, a sticky situation Um, I don't see him as a particular leader but in an Arsenal shirt he almost reminds me of the kind of signings that we used to make with um, Mesut Ozil and and, and Sanchez as well Um, um, not to compare him to those two greats, but they were at a club that who weren't, you know, maybe squeezing absolutely everything out of them. But the moment you put them in an Arsenal shirt, it's like 
you know, night and day. We know these are quality players, but for some reason they shine exceedingly more in an Arsenal shot. Maybe because they're not surrounded around um, elite players like them. Maybe they have that added motivation that they want to, want to be the top dog um, at the club. But yeah, certainly with Jesus, I can see him coming to be that guy, to, to, to score 20, 25 goals, to win trophies, to uh, lift everyone up as well. Um, he he fits this, the, the right age profile. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't think goals will be a problem going into next season. It might be the latter case of just surviving injury scares. Um, but yeah, it looks like all four of us um, are going for Jesus. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully that signing is made imminent I, I would be so disappointed if we somehow managed to miss out on him but the cards seem to be stacked on our side so hopefully it all goes well um look i'm gonna leave it there i want to say a massive thank you to all of our well our two presenters our two um arsenal therapy podcast presenters and of course um our gracious guest uh thank you kaya for coming on it's been a massive thank pleasure having me. you i know you um obviously just left work to come and join us as well so thank you so much um you guys no can worries. follow kaya on twitter at kaya kanak 97 um like i said before he is one of the writers at football.london covering all things arsenal so go check out his work um if you did enjoy this episode please do give us a five-star review on apple Podcasts. let us know what you thought of the episode of the show by reaching out to us on Twitter at Ask Therapy Pod. And of course, we will be back like always um, next week. I think for the most part, this preseason kind of period, we'll be recording on Mondays and it'll be coming out on Monday evenings, I think, maybe, hopefully. I don't know. Uh, anyway, I've really enjoyed this uh, episode tonight with our guests and our hosts. Um, Kaya, any any um, closing remarks? Anything that you want the listeners to keep their eye on from you? Um, I guess I've got a piece coming up on Matt Turner, which I'm looking forward to, sort of the... Um the uh, the backstory behind him and his interesting sort of rise to becoming an Arsenal signing, which is pretty cool. So I'm hoping you guys will enjoy that. Aside from that, uh, just all the usual transfer stuff is going to be on Football London. All the usual Arsenal stuff, all of it is on the Football London website. And yeah, like you said, at Kayakana97 on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook if you want to check me out there. So uh, yeah, looking forward to keeping in touch with you guys and hopefully coming back on again sometime soon. Wicked, absolutely. And Monty, this has been your first episode the first show that where you're you know officially a co-host for the at the arsenal therapy podcast how have you found it mate i feel i feel blessed i'm uh, i'm happy to be on it's uh it's, it's good to chat to a fellow gooners uh literally none of my mates at home what listen to watch uh football so it's always, always nice to get my therapy uh for, through this so um it, it's always good and um it's always good to speak to like money gooners and i'm super excited for the season ahead and um hopefully sort of a good insight for, for everyone nice and, and james good to be back good to be back man i remember when i was in you know monty's position uh a year ago and uh when when farhan brought me on board it was uh, a breath of fresh air and i really loved doing it and to add uh, another person like yourself monty with with like-minded uh with like-minded views and anal analysis uh i think you'll fit right in so uh welcome aboard and thank you Kyle, thank for coming you very on. much we always like to get guests on. I think we always try and push the boundaries of, of, of who we can get on and, and what we can do over here and on this platform. So, 
Absolutely. A good starting episode to be back. Wicked. All right. Well, on that positive note, I'm going to end it there. Thank you very much for listening. Have yourselves a very good week and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care.